Good morning. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. Well, who has already uh, broken their New Year's resolution? Okay. One, one honest person. The rest of you all are all liars. Uh, next week, we'll do a sermon on lying, so that's okay. Uh, how many whole 30 ers How many uh, ketos? How many Weight Watchers? How many? We're doing whole 30, so pray for me. My goal is to look as good as Ryan McBride. Wearing that tight polo this morning, buddy. Looking good. Uh, my name's Kelly. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a privilege to be with you this morning. One thing I just want to say is uh, we didn't announce it in our uh, video announcements this morning. Uh, that good-looking lady is my wife, and she's not in with us this morning. She's uh, serving in kids. Uh, but we forgot to put on the video announcements as this coming Wednesday night is our community prayer evening. And uh, community prayer, you may think that this is our most important gathering, what we're doing right here on a Sunday. Uh, typically, that's kind of the American church thing, is to say the Sunday gathering is the Super Bowl of why we get together as a church, but you would be wrong. Um, it's a great gathering. It's a, it's a great uh, reason why we get together to celebrate what God has done in and through us through the week and uh, also to, to celebrate who God is among maybe people who are kind of checking out the faith. Uh, but one of the most important gatherings of a church is prayer. And so my encouragement to us as a community is let's come out and pray this Wednesday. Prayer is one of the, the biggest um, examples of our dependence on God. And what it says is, God, we need you, and we can't do what you called us to do. We can't be Southlands Chino, uh, the community that you called us to be. We can't be a community that reaches out into the community without the power of God. We can do all the nice things, but without God's power, it's really meaningless. And so what we're going to do this coming Wednesday, say, God, we need you. We're crying out to you. Will you show up? Will you fill us with the joy of who you are again so that it it goes from in us out to others. So, amen? amen. All right, you all said amen. amen. All right, Neil, I'm going to see you here Wednesday. Just kidding. <laughs> all right, let, let's get into it this morning. Um, we are uh, continuing in our sermon series on the book of Matthew. And, uh, man, Isaiah, where are you at? Isaiah did such a good job last week. I think, yeah, I think one of the, one of the best sermons I've heard on Sabbath um, just talking about how Sabbath is not necessarily just about rest, it's about Jesus. And when we find Jesus, we find our Sabbath. And I love the way that you displayed the gospel through that. Thank you, bro. It's such a good job. This morning, we're going to pick up in chapter 13. And as I was preparing this week, man, like a heaviness came over me. Um, not, a, not a like sad heavy but like a, a reverence, an awe, a, uh, a, holy, a holiness for us as a church as I was preparing. And man, I was just like, God, will you please move powerfully through your word? Um, I'm, let me say this without, I'm not trying to be disingenuous or confrontational just to be like shocking so you know, it makes you remember. But honestly, I really don't care that much if you're entertained by a sermon. Um, I really don't care about that. I really, I really don't care if you walk out of here and go, man, that was really good. Um, what I care about as a preacher is that God does something in you. And 
Our commitment to you as pastors, elders, preachers in this church is not to provide information or just encouragement for encouragement's sake. Our job is to supply the word of God that brings transformation. And I know that's not based on my ability or Ryan's or, or Isaiah's or Mike's or Kirk in the past. It's not based on that. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit coming and bringing transformation in our hearts. And so my encouragement to us this morning is, you, you may have heard me say this before, but we have this little person in our heart called the inner, inner lawyer, right? And what we do in most of our day is we're bombarded with information, we're bombarded with commercials, we're bombarded with you know people trying to get you to buy this and buy this, and somebody knocks on your door and trying to sell this, and immediately what happens in our, in our, in our culture in this day and age is that this inner lawyer comes up within our hearts and says, whoa, and it, it critiques everything with skepticism. And my, my encouragement to us as a church this morning, Southlands, can we fire our inner lawyer. The inner lawyer usually doesn't do us any good. And what we really need is the Holy Spirit speaking to our minds and to our hearts. Um, Can we do that this morning? Can I pray for us? Holy Spirit, we, we just come before you. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our minds. We surrender all of who we are because we trust you. And we love you, and we know that you have our best interests in mind. And with that, we just say, yes, come, Holy Spirit, do in us what you want. Uh, make, your, make the word alive in our hearts, and let it bring transformation and change in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just dive into our text, shall we? I was going to do some other stuff, but... Let's just, let's just get to the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. This has been often said, has been called the parable of the sower. And I think that is appropriate. Um, but what I think is even more appropriate is really the parable of the soils. And um, what this parable does is it speaks to our hearts. It, it compares the earth, the soil, the, the condition of soil to the conditions of our heart. And so as we're reading through this, my challenge and my encouragement to us this morning is to say, God, where does my heart lie? We're going to read four different types of soil this morning. And, and to, to be honest with us, if you're really saying, Lord, where does my heart lie? We're probably found in some one of a little bit of each of these and maybe more than other others, but as we're reading through the scriptures, say, Holy Spirit, identify in me. This is my heart's condition, all right? So Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and, and to the crowds, and Jesus would often speak in parables. We, we go, why does Jesus speak in parables? Uh, was it because he was trying to confuse people? Was it tr- because he wanted to be exclusive? It's, it's not that he was trying to confuse people. He was trying to make it more pique people's interest, make it palatable. And he knew that those people whose hearts were already hard, it would already automatically turn them away. So he spoke in parables. And it was the seeker, it was the one who wanted to understand what those were, who would come up and follow what Jesus and say, what does that mean? And so we're going to do that together. Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, 
And he, he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Verse seven, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, some 60, some 30. So he who has ears, let him hear. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna unpackage all four of these, all right? Now, I normally have like three pages of notes. I have like nine pages of notes this morning. But we're gonna, we're gonna you guys, can we do this? Can we do this? All right. So we're just gonna go through each soil condition and ask yourself, where am I at? So let's look at soil number one, all right? Soil sample number one. Imagine I'm a horticulturalist or a farmer, I guess that makes more sense, we're here in Chino, and you know, I'm, I'm wanting to grow uh, crops and grain and all that stuff, and I, and I had a table up here, maybe this would have been better, but four different soil samples. And, and this first one, we're gonna look at the hard soil or the hard heart. And Jesus goes on and he explains his parable to the disciples, they come up to him kind of in secret. They're like, you know, usually the disciples are always like, yeah, we, we know everything, right? And like, that's Jesus, that's my man right there. And yeah, you better listen to Jesus because he knows all the stuff. And then they go up to him in private and they'd be like, so uh, what was that about Jesus? You know, tell us on the side. And they kind of do that here. And so Jesus in his grace opens up what he's telling them. And he says this in verse 19 about the hard heart. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So Jesus talks about the four soils. He talks about a, a farmer going out and he spreads seed. And the way that farmers would do this back in this time was they would walk in their field and they would have a pouch and it would just be all this seed in their pouch and they would grab it with their hand and they would just kind of fling it out like this. That's how a you like that? <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I'm doing this morning, right? Kind of just throwing it out. I don't know. Some of your hearts may be hard. Some of your hearts might be soft. I don't know, but I'm throwing out seed this morning, right? And it depended on what kind of ground that that seed the farmer threw it in would, would produce whatever it would do. And so Jesus is identifying this first soil and says it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a path that's been walked on many, many times. What I often do is I love going hiking. And, uh, and you'll see if you go to Chino Hills State Park, uh, you go up to Mount Wilson or whatever it is, you'll find these well-worn paths that have been trampled on over and over and over again to where the natural earth almost becomes like concrete, where nothing can grow on it. And that's what Jesus is talking about, this hard heart. The seed has been sown, the seed has been thrown on this ground, but it is so hard that the seed can find nothing to, to, to find a little crack just to penetrate. And what ends up happening is it just feeds the birds of the air, which Jesus says, this is actually the enemy. The enemy comes and he steals and snatches away right away because the, heart, the ground is so hard. Now here's how you identify if you have a hard heart. 
This is what, I'm going to write down these little quips, and if you're taking notes, I think these are really helpful. The hard heart applies its logic, its reasoning, its prerequisites to the word of God instead of letting the word of God apply its logic, its reasoning, and its prerequisites to the heart. Do you guys get that? Now, this is easy for us to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. But, uh, man, like how much of this is happening in our world today? Like America, right? It's my way, and don't you know, like all these kind of things, and I'm going to apply my truth to the word of God. It's the people who say things like, man, I could not believe in a God who would dot, dot, dot. I don't believe in the kind of God who would allow people to suffer. That's a hard heart. I mean, who are we to say that God should be subject to our kinds of truth in our lives? Things a hard heart says are things like, don't tell me what to do. Things like, who do you think you are? Or maybe like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> you ever have that? Like, you, you know, maybe you're at Starbucks and the Starbucks person gets your name wrong. Oh, can't believe it. Got my name wrong. I was at Chick-fil-A and uh, man, Chick-fil-A has got the best service ever. And uh, you always want Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Isn't that true? It's like, hey guys, let's go do, let's do lunch. And where are we going to go? Let's go to Chick-fil-A. That's a fail. But we were, we were going through Chick-fil-A one time. We we're coming back on vacation. Kids are hungry. Let's stop. Let's go through the drive-thru. The girl's out there taking my order. And she asks for my name. And I say, Kelly. And she says, John? And I go, close. <laughs> None of the letters are the same, but... I don't know why I told that story, but we get this <laughs> indignation in our heart. We get this like, oh my gosh, don't you know who I am? Why, who asked you anyway kind of mentality? And when the preacher gets up, up here or when you're sitting in life group and doing life together and somebody calls you out and challenges you or when the word of God rubs you the wrong way, you're like, who do you think you are? Nobody asked you anyway. Well, that doesn't fit into my understanding of who God is. As Isaiah preached last week, the Pharisees like, who do you think, what do you think you're doing? Grabbing this grain on the Sabbath? Munching it in your mouth? Digesting it in your stomach? Who do you think you are? Don't you know? The problem is that the gospel confronts, right? Man. Nothing confronts like the gospel does. But it's God's means of grace to our lives. The gospel says things like, you are a sinner in need of salvation. The gospel says things like, you are not the answer. The gospel also says things like, actually, it's not even the fact that you're not the answer. You are the problem. And when we hear the confrontation of the gospel of Jesus Christ come to us, we go, that's not for me. I reject that. This parable shows us that a hard heart rejects the word of God. And my question to us this morning is, friends, where are you rejecting the word of God? Have there been weeks, maybe you've sat here, maybe you've come to church and you've heard things that kind of confront you and you think, hmm, mm -mm, mm -mm, that's not for me. 
That's for my wife. <laughs> that's for my husband. Those are, that's for my children. That's for my neighbor. But that's not for me. A hard heart, and here's the scariest thing about what Jesus is saying in this first soil sample, so to speak, of our hearts, is that a hard heart is vulnerable to the enemy. That, for me, should check us, right? If, if anything, I don't want to have a hard heart because I don't want, I mean, what I'm doing really is feeding the enemy. Have you thought about that? The sower sows on the hard path and immediately the enemy comes and gobbles it up. You know, guys will come to me and often they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm wrestling with this certain sin and I just can't overcome it. I feel like I do well for a moment and then I, I give in again and we all do that, right? And what I often say is, well, which sumo, I have this little understanding of a sumo. There's a sumo wrestling going on inside of my heart. And you know, like a sumo, they, they have to be inside this circle, right? The two sumos. And whichever sumo is eating the most food, usually, is the sumo that has the authority to push the other sumo out of the ring. And I tell that person, which sumo are you feeding? Are you feeding the one that lusts over the things of the world? Are you feeding the sumo that just gives in to its fleshly desires? Are you feeding the sumo this morning of that's not for me, that's for my neighbor? Are you feeding the sumo of your heart of hardness? And so therefore, you're just feeding the birds of the air, the enemy, so to speak? Or are you surrendering to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, I understand that my heart is hard in certain areas. I understand that when you called me to do this, that's scary or it rubs me the wrong way. But Holy Spirit, here's my heart. Will you change it? Will you soften it? Amen? Last thing about a hard heart. To be honest with us, the only thing, the only thing for our hope is repentance. God, I repent of having a hard heart. God, I surrender my heart to you. God, I've been sinful. Number two, you guys doing all right? All right. The hard soil. Number two is the shallow heart. This is what Jesus, he explains as part of the parable to them. Verses 20 through 21, he tells his disciples, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So, Jesus is giving this example in a, this is the context of this is a geographical context. And so a sower would sow seed, but in the, in the Palestinian, like Israel kind of area, a lot of the ground is like filled with rocks and, you know, it's not ideal for fields like what we have here in Chino. Um, and so the sower would sow the seed and it would often fall on these rocky grounds. And if you were a farmer, you would kind of get excited, right? Right away, you throw this seed out and like, oh, look, like it's just, well, we just had some rain. And if you drive through the canyon, you're, you, if you don't know any better, if you don't know summer's coming, you look at this and go, oh, it's like Ireland, right? You're like, 
where's all the sheep on the field? And you just imagine it in your mind and some guy, maybe it's Paul, he's playing his flute. And you're just like, that's amazing. But what happens is that grass that we see right now for the month that it's going to be there, it's going to be gone. And Jesus is telling them, listen, some of your hearts are just like this rocky ground. The seed has been thrown out. The seed has found a little bit of soil and it it sprouted up quickly, but just as fast as it sprouted up is just as fast as it'll wither away. How do you know if you have a shallow heart? This is what a shallow heart indicative nature is. The shallow heart places emotion and experience over the word of God instead of the word of God being firmly rooted in the midst of emotion and experiences. How many of you have ever felt that way before? I know I do. I'm kind of prone towards emotionalism. I'm like, woo! You know, if the band is rocking, man, like worship was amazing. Why? Because like nobody hit a bad note. No, that's not why worship is amazing. Worship's amazing. Why? Because the presence of God was poured out in such a powerful way. And when I was singing about the truth of who Jesus was, it infected me. I, it, it just started stirring inside my heart to the point where I was like, Jesus, have all of who I am. Not because, man, Isaiah, that's solo, bro. Like, on, on fleek. We don't say that anymore, right? That's like 10 years ago. Other things the shallow heart says is like, man, that sermon was really good. And then we have like this dory, the fish kind of moment. It's like we're in here on a Sunday morning. We're all about it. We're feeling the emotion. Kelly's voice is being lifted up a little bit. So that's a cue for me for my ears to prick up. And oh, ooh, that's good. Yeah, let me tap my heart kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I walk out the doors like fajitas. <laughs> we're all guilty of it. The shallow heart responds outwardly. If the preacher was entertaining, I'll keep coming back. If the band was rocking, I'll get into God's presence. Man, that is just surface level stuff. The problem with the shallow soil in your heart is that there's just not enough substance to produce any fruit. The moment that hardship comes, the moment that the emotions wear off. Man, if I've been married 20 years. And if I'm basing my marriage on the first time I held Marianne's hand, the sweaty palm, right? Ooh, we're holding hands. Get, well, I don't know, is that first base? No? Is that like just stepping up to bat? What is, I don't know. Okay, just stop. Stop right there. You know the butterflies? I remember being in seventh grade, going to watch Back to the Future with my girlfriend. I've only had one girlfriend other than my wife. Uh, and, and it wasn't, it was seventh grade, so, you know. But I remember in Back to the Future, watching the movie, and I reach over and I grab her hand, and it was like, <gasps> pure jubilation, right? This is happening. Man, if I rely on that kind of emotion in my marriage, <laughs> What's my marriage going to be like? Shallow, because that stuff doesn't last. 
The moment you walk out of these doors, you may forget what happened this morning. The moment you go back to work tomorrow, the moment, I don't know what it is for you, don't allow your heart to be based on circumstances or emotions of the word of God because it won't last. Because you know why? Something terrible may happen to you. Suffering may come. Hardship may find its way into your life. And if you don't have a deep root of the truth of the word of God in the midst of suffering, you're tempted to say, God is not good. How could a God? But when the word of God finds deep root in your heart, it doesn't matter what emotion comes or goes, what situation happens, what persecution takes place, I am deeply rooted in the word of my Savior. Oh boy. And for a shallow heart this morning, just like a hard heart, the only hope is repentance. The only hope is to say, Holy Spirit, I repent. Change my heart. Remove the rocks. Deepen the soil. All right, so we've had a hard heart. We've had a shallow heart. And number three, this is where I think a lot of people who call themselves Christians struggle with is a strangled heart. Most of us, we probably find areas of our lives that where our hearts are a little bit hard and we say, yeah, I, I see that. There's, there's you know, that, that kind of understanding of I'll, I'll give God this much, but not all of me, right? Uh, remember that thing that we often say here at Southlands is, do you trust God with the consequences of being fully obedient to him? A scary thing. So maybe there's a little bit of that reserved and you're like, God, if I give you all of my finances, if I give you all of my relationships, God, if I give you everything of who I am, my future, will you be faithful? I don't know. I don't trust you. I'm going to give you most of it. And so I'll withhold the rest from me. Yeah, we wrestle with that hardness. Or maybe there's shallowness or you, maybe you're newer in the faith and your, your faith is based on you know, something the preacher said and you really liked it and you responded, but hardship really hasn't hit you yet and it's about to come and you're gonna be tested. And so you're saying this morning, man, I better gear up and let the Holy Spirit dig down deeper and get those rocks out of my heart and we all have those. But I think number three is probably most of us reside in our struggle with our hearts, and that's the strangled heart. And Jesus says this in verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, what do they do? They choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. How do you know if you have a strangled heart? Circumstances and situations overcome the word of God instead of the word of God overcoming circumstances and situations. Man, this is where I'm at. Things a strangled heart says is, I trust God with this much, but not everything. I know I should forgive that person, but they did this to me, so I just can't go that far and provide forgiveness to them. I don't want to get hurt again. Or, or maybe you, 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 the strangled heart says this, just one more look. Just 
one more drink, just one more bite, just one more purchase on Amazon, just one more da 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 da, because my heart isn't fully given over to the beautiful nature of who Jesus is. And so what I do is I find my hope, I find my identity, I find my pleasure in anything other than God and his word. And the problem with a strangled heart is when the, so, when the seed is sown, the cares and the deceitfulness of the world come in and they lie to us and say things like, money will satisfy. This relationship will satisfy you. This car, this person, this, this, this position at your work, if you could only get this, then you'll start feeling like, man, I really, I really made it. I really have worth. I really have identity. I really am being a person of purpose. <laughs> Nothing strangles the heart probably more than money. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus is talking about the riches and the cares of this world. You, you probably heard this a thousand times, but if you want to know like, what you value the most, go back and look at your, your, your bank account. Go back and look at your, your budget. Go back and look at your, uh, your, st your bank statements and see what you spent your money on. For me, it's food. Obviously, it's food. <laughs> I mean, we spend so much money on food. Like, we have four kids. Will you guys please stop eating? So Samuel, for the love of God. <laughs> for those of you who have younger boys in your house, oh, it's coming. How many gallons of milk can we go through today? And here's the thing about a strangled heart. Have you ever heard this thing called FOMO? Fear of missing out. The heart wrestles with FOMO. Well, if I don't, if I'm not totally obedient to God, then that means I can dabble a little bit with what's going on over here. And I won't miss out. Friends, let me tell you this about the beauty and the nature of our Savior. He fully satisfies. <laughs> he fully satisfies. When you surrender all of your heart over to the Savior, there's no FOMO. There's no like, man, I wish I would have partied hard because I missed out on that experience. No, the more you, you pull these weeds out of your heart, the more your heart is pure, the more you delight in the things of God and it satisfies like nothing else. And here's the thing about the strangled heart. This soil is probably pretty healthy soil. By itself, if it didn't have the weeds in it, the fruit, the good seed would grow. But the, the weeds are strangling it. And so this is a call to us who put ourselves, call ourselves Christians and who have put our hope and our faith in Jesus is to pull out the weeds in a garden of our heart. Man, you ever notice like, um, even we have this like brand new kind of condo, kind of a house. And for some reason, nobody, even though the weather here is like perfect, 90% of the time, 
the people here just don't want a yard. I don't understand it, but my yard is probably like, that's my yard, right? <laughs> Even in, and it's mostly concrete. It's really sad. Um, and so, you know, whatever. Anyways, where am I going with this? There's weeds that will pop up in my backyard and I'll go back there and I'll, I'll, all of a sudden I'll be like, what the heck? Where did all these weeds come from? And, or it's the other way around where I kind of notice one little weed and I go, I ain't pulling that weed today. It won't be a problem in two weeks from now because weeds just don't, they don't grow on their own, obviously. No, I leave that one little weed and that one little weed became 30 different little weeds. And then those 30 different weeds become the thousand different weeds. And then at the end of it, I'm like, the stuff that's supposed to grow in my backyard isn't growing and all I have are dandelions. And it's the same way with our heart. We kind of look at it and go, is this one little weed? I don't feel like pulling that right now. Weeding sucks. It's hard. That's why I have four children. <laughs> tell the truth, Pastor. What's the weeds in your heart? What are they? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it position? What satisfies you more than the Word of God? Is it food? Is it stuff? Is it the toys you have in your garage? Is it the house you live in? Is it the, the financial security? I don't know. The only hope for a strangled heart is a partnering with the Holy Spirit. And I say partnering intentionally because this is a process of sanctification for those of us who call ourselves Christians. We partner with the Holy Spirit and we say, yes, I identify that you've, you've shown me these weeds and I will get down on my knees, but not on my own strength to pull them out. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, God, to give me strength to uproot this weed and not just top it off that it'll grow back but the painfulness of getting the soil underneath my fingernails and pulling that weed up till I got the root out of it so that it won't grow back. And the problem is weeding, you have to constantly do it. You don't weed once, and then for the rest of your life, wherever you live in your yard, you're like, well, I did it this Saturday, so another weed will never come back. It is constant, constant, constant maintenance. It is every day choosing to partner with the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify you, to change you, to make you more like Jesus, because the temptation is one little weed won't make a difference. And by the end of it, you find yourself listening to the Word of God, and it kind of bounces off because the weeds are so thick that the seed won't penetrate your heart. Are you a strangled heart this morning? The last one is this. The soft heart. Verse 23, Jesus says this as, For what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundred, and another sixty, and another thirty. How do I know if my heart is soft? It says this, the word of God finds no resistance in taking root. In fact, the soft heart gladly welcomes it. It's not viewed as an intrusion. Now here's one that's a little scary. It blindly 
and audaciously obeys God. The soft heart is the only soil that produces fruit. Let me come back to that. It blindly and audaciously obeys God. In our generation, in our culture, we are told over and over and over, don't blindly follow anything or anyone, especially religion. Because religion wants to manipulate you and get your money and put you into the system, right? And a heart that is soft says, I'm not going to listen to the voice of my culture I'm going to blindly obey the word of God. So when it says things like, if you don't hate your father and your mother and your brothers and your sisters, you cannot be a disciple of me. What statement are you talking about, Jesus? That sounds wrong. And Jesus says, no, in comparison to your love for me, if you love anything other than me, you're not my disciple. And a soft heart says, I know that's really hard and that rubs me the wrong way and that digs at me and it kind of like pushes against everything my culture tells me and the way I've been taught in school and all of these things. And, but Lord, I will blindly obey your word. Things a soft heart says is, Lord, have your way. God, I trust you with everything. Lord, Let all that I do bring you glory. God, I will trust you with the consequences of being fully obedient to you. Here's my money. Here's my identity. Here's my relationships, my parenting, my job, my time, my talents. Here's my heart. Have it all. Soft heart is the only one that bears fruit. That should be testament speaking to us this morning. Out of all these other things, all the potential, all the ones, you know, there's a little bit of soil on the rocky, there's soil in the strangled one, but it's the only, it's the only the soft heart that bears fruit. And friends, fruitfulness is one of the litmuses of being a disciple, a Christian. So ask yourself this morning, Am I bearing fruit? Is my life resemble Christ? Is there fruits of the Spirit? What are the fruits of the Spirit? What is it? Uh, we, uh, uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are those things evident in my life? Not because I'm so good at them, but because God's producing them in me. Is my heart soft? One last thing about a softened heart, and then we're going to end, is a softened heart is plowed often. So the context here is what a, what a farmer would do is in their, in their time is they would, they, would, they would plow their ground before they would sow their seed, and they would plow the ground after they sowed their seed. They would plow it once to loosen up the soil, to get the nutrients up, and to get the softness, the seed ready for, or the soil ready for the seed to be scattered on it. And then once it was scattered, the 
farmer again would go through with seed in the field and, and plow again. And when he would plow again, what would happen is the ground would be tilled up again and it would end up covering over the seed, the soft soil. And unfortunately for you and me who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, the only way for our hearts to remain soft is for allowing the sower, the farmer, the creator, our savior to come all the time and plow up our hearts. Because what ends up happening is our heart defaults toward hardness. Our hearts default toward strengthness. Our hearts default, default toward rockiness. And without the consistent and regular and constant plowing of the Holy Spirit, we think our hearts are okay. But we need the Holy Spirit to plow our hearts. Where's your heart this morning? Is it hard? Are there parts of the field of your heart that are kind of been trampled on, been beaten down, become like concrete? Are there areas of the field of your heart that are rocky and you might see like sprouting up and you're like, man, I'm a Christian because I, you know, I like this and I like that. But then it just kind of comes and goes. Are there things in your heart that strangle the word of God? There's no room for any growth. Or is your heart soft? Are you compliant? Are you saying, Lord, be master. Be all that I am. Come and plow my heart. Will you stand with me this morning?